Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. Earlier this week, I received possibly the most life-changing text message a person has ever received. And it went a little something like this. So apparently, Midnight Sun is actually going to be released this year. If you're interested, I will reread this series with you just to go on this wild journey. Then we can yell about stuff. And friends, it wouldn't be 2020 if we didn't record these conversations and force a bunch of people to listen to them. It is 2020, and we're reading Twilight. I am regretting all the life choices I've made that have led to this point. <laughs> you can regret all you want, but we have spent way too much money on sticky notes and Amazon delivery fees to back out now. Literally spent more money on supplies to review this book than I did on the books themselves. <laughs> I yeah. had the opportunity to buy a hardcover version of this for $2.50 more than the softcover, and I was unwilling to spend that $2.50 more. I went on Amazon to get, I because I didn't think that Half Price Books was open right now, so I went on Amazon to get... Uh, the second, third, and fourth books, because we all know that I have an absolute artifact of a first copy of Twilight. Um, but I, it, it took an exceptionally long time to get the other three books because they are all sold out right now. Some people are making poor life decisions. I think we're part of that group of people, unfortunately. <laughs> You're not wrong. I really think that Stephanie Meyer decided that like now, like 10 years after the original leak of Midnight Sun to release it because she was like, well, the sales of Twilight are all going to spike because the people who read it back then probably all threw their books away and need to get new ones. Actually, I had the entire series before and I have no idea what, what I did with it because, you know, after I read the books 10 years ago, I thought to myself, why would I ever read these books again? So you never read Twilight again after the first time? No. I No, Sarah, I didn't because I'm a normal person. How many times did you read it, Sarah? I have read Twilight. Copyright Stephanie Meyer in the year of our Lord 2004, 30 times. 30. 30 times. Well, Think of all the things you could have done with your life, Sarah. <laughs> Think of all the other ways you could have spent that time. So a little backstory. When I first bought Twilight when I was 12, I had just had my tonsils taken out. And so it took me about a day and a half to get through all 498 pages of its absolute glory. Um, and I was like, a day and a half? Wow, that like took me no time at all. So after I finished all the other books, I was like, I'm going to go back and reread it. So I read it again, and it took me even less time. And I was like, you know what? I bet I could get this down to a science. And get it down to a science I could, because by the time... Uh, Reading number 28 came around. I was reading Twilight in about two and a half hours. And I am coming in to completely smash that science for you <laughs> and forcing you to rethink the way you looked at this book. Yeah, because now uh, we're actually going to be splitting the book into five parts and uh, five, five chapters per part. There are 24 chapters and uh, an epilogue in this book. So And a preface. Um, and a whole half-page preface. And half-page preface. Uh, but as to not 
blow our figurative load all over this book and discuss the whole thing in just one episode. We are splitting it into five parts. And that means that I have to slow down when it comes to reading it. Also, because I spent literally 11 hours reading 100 pages of this book, I could have read this entire book probably twice in that time. But I spent that much time on five chapters because we're doing this. And the entire time I was thinking, like, I'm writing my own book. (laughs) I am 300 pages into my own book. I could have spent that 11 hours getting further in my work that will no doubt contribute more to literary history, even if it goes unpublished. (laughs) And instead... I read and critiqued the first five chapters of Twilight. I, listen, 300 pages into your book. That is admirable. Um, I have gotten about 40 pages into 12 different books that I've tried to write. (laughs) So um, I applaud you for actually making it that far. To be fair, that means you have more pages than me, at least. That is true. I have (laughs) more pages of incoherent nonsense in different (laughs) stories that don't connect at all. (laughs) If you throw them all together, you have, like, the Dark Tower series. Is that how that works? (laughs) Oh, God. Just take some cocaine and Stephen King it. So you want me to like do a bunch of cocaine, write a book, stick it in a drawer and not publish it for several years? Oh, that's how you become real author, apparently. (laughs) Rip. Uh, I'm very excited to get into the book because you refuse to tell me anything that any of your thoughts before we started recording because you wanted to save it. No. So yeah, I think we should go ahead and get in. And I'm, I do want to start by saying, you know, I we are being as positive <laughs> as possible going into this. I'm going to try to have as much faith as I can. You're sitting there like, <laughs> I feel man, like I hope end. this is better than I think it's going to be. <laughs> All right. So um, we, we're going we're gonna, to, there's going to be a lot of ribbing, a lot of ye- yelling about just what is going on in this beautiful work. But uh, we are also going to compliment it where we possibly can. And honestly, it's, a, it's the first chapter. Like, I, 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 the first chapter is what made me optimistic more than anything else, because I actually had a few like, oh, this is good. And then it just, just kind of went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> It went from having, like, here's some high points and this is bad stuff to being, I don't have any notes. At least. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's do this uh, to immerse ourselves truly in the brilliant world of this story. First of all, look at what is happening to this book already. Her book, for, for those uh, that can't see what's happening because they aren't taking video of this with us uh her book is literally falling apart the binding is coming undone because she's read it 30 times she showed me before there are literally pages taped together in this book oh my god it's bad you're gonna take some wood glue to the spine of that thing or something. uh i'll okay. just have it bound okay. in leather okay so 
I'm going to read to you the most iconic words from Twilight. Are you re- are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. <clears throat> About three things, I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how dominant that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third... I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. For reasons that will make no sense once we get into actually reading this. I decided to make a list of things that Edward and Bella have in common. And we'll get to the first thing on that list. And I'm not sure there will ever be a second thing. But, um... You know, I didn't make this list, but I feel like like, I can guess what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um... The first note that I have about this book um, is before it starts, and it's that I used to say irrevocably instead of irrevocably. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get into that. So I have a good understanding of English vocabulary. Oh, uh, shit. At least I, one of us I, does. I get I get words. I know their meanings. But I guarantee you in the time we are doing this podcast that I will continuously say words incorrectly that I know otherwise because I haven't heard them spoken before. Yes, that is a good one. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer owns many thesauruses and that is the first flaw with Stephanie the Twilight Meyer series. is a 15-year-old that thinks she has to sound like she's smart. Smire, I love you. Throw away your thesaurus. You don't need it. Just, just write the I, words that are in your head. You know what, uh, I will say right now, I, I took a note on it. Uh, there's a line where she says, I was watching him surreptitiously. And I have a theory that uh, Brendan Urie read this book and saw surreptitiously. And that was the entire reason uh, he wrote this song. There's a good reason these tables are numbered, whatever the continuation of that title is. Uh, so I, ju- I need a Twilight Panic at the Disco crossover now. God, of all the things in the world to want. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into the actual book, shall we? Well, Um, hold on. Okay, okay. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Let me read this opening quote to you. Okay, Because I have a note on this opening quote. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2.17. So I, I, this is an extended metaphor kind of deal that's going to play out throughout the entire four books of this series. Uh, But I want to point out that, you know, this is, this is the downfall of man. This is how it happens. Uh, You know, men eat up the tree and women. Uh, Sin enters the world and the wages of sin are death. So she literally dies, but, you know, that's supposed to be a bad thing, biblically. So is Stephanie Meyer, by using this quote, then saying that ultimately the ending to this book or this series is bad because it's definitely bad in the original context? You know, I would love to revisit that once we finish the um, train wreck that is Breaking Dawn. 
so that we can okay. deduce whether or not we believe this is like the bad ending. So I'm glad that we are bookending this, actually. We are quite literally bookending this. I am starting with this note of this quote, and we're going to come back to this. At the very end. And six I, months from now, we get I, to the end of Breaking Dawn. I will say, and we've already, this was the one thing that I talked to you about before we started it. That one paragraph that I sent you uh, while I was reading it about her leaving Forks. Oh, yes. That, that is honestly the ultimate good ending. I like, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, that's probably the good ending. We'll get to it. We'll get to it in here. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. So we've got the preface. I don't have any notes on the preface. Um, I, was, I mean, as anyone who has read this book knows, it's just an excerpt from a later chapter. Uh, so I didn't want to say anything about the preface, really. Oh, I have <laughs> things to say. Oh, you have things to say. <laughs> yep. I have, I have two notes on the preface. Number one... The first sentence of this book is a train wreck. <laughs> Literally. Though I'd had reason enough in the last few months, but even if I had, I would not have imagined it like th- I'm like, Stephanie, for fuck's sake, pick a different word. Yeah. Like, stop saying haven't had over like. Okay, you're telling her to pick a different word, but we just told her to throw away her thesaurus. Structure your sentences differently. <laughs> it's, like, this happens repeatedly throughout the book where she just she writes something in the specific order in which she decides to put the words and repeat words makes it almost unintelligible like you get what she's going for but like if you try and read it the way it's written and and parse it out it just doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah it's a it's a little uh bit of a mouthful yes i and the first time i read the the book I didn't know I didn't realize it took me a couple of readings before I was like oh this preface is like from that scene later in the book <laughs> I'm not gonna lie this the second and third time I read it, I don't even think I read the preface because I was just like oh whatever I don't it's whatever I it's used not really to, important <laughs> I used to not read prologues like straight what? up when I was re- this is a true story so in like the warriors books uh there's always like a prologue that has something to do with like the greater like theme of what the book is about and it gives you like an insight to what the real issue is that's going on I would straight up skip it I don't know why I was just like oh it's just a prologue it's whatever I think it's because I would never read the introduction to a textbook because it's like them just being like this book is about how white people kill everything they touch and like (laughs) what no no it's that's like skipping the author's note that's completely different (laughs) yeah I know. Also, I, like, do you are, are you the type of person that skips all the openings to the chapters in Three Houses? Is that, like, you're just like, eh, I don't need to know what's going on in the land of Fodlin. I definitely, at first, didn't listen to a single one. But then after that one... Oh my God. <laughs> after that one chapter happened and that person died, I listened to every single one because it made me nostalgic. Oh, my God. You know what I'm talking about. Um, without yep. without spoiling Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I just like didn't read. I don't know why I never read prologues. Maybe that's how I read so many books as a kid. Because like I never took the time to read the beginning. I bet, I bet you that like the first 16 chapters aren't real chapters. So I'll just skip right over those. Yeah. Part of I, the preface, right? <laughs> 
You know what? Listen, my theory on prologues being bullshit was proven when we read the Scarlet Letter sophomore year and they have that whole part in the beginning about the stone door and it's the worst literature I've ever read in my entire life. I'm right. Prologues suck. No, classic literature sucks. That's a different conversation entirely. Are we, are we done with the preface? Do you have anything else to say about the preface? Yes. Okay. Because it's something that even comes back in okay. like in the first five chapters. The hunter smiled in a friendly way. What the hell is that descriptor? You can smile in a mean way. Like when you prove someone wrong and then you're looking at them behind the back of your supervisor and you're just like... Okay. I smiled but meanly. You, but, okay, you're writing a scene <laughs> where your main character is about to get murdered. Yes. By somebody hunting them. Absolutely. And you started out with the hunter smiled in a friendly way. I think it's supposed to be scary. Like, you're supposed to be like, oh, this guy's coming to kill me, but he's smiling at me like he's going to give me a hug. Listen, you can come for Smire all day long, but when she does it right, it's okay. <laughs> I I do not like this sentence. It's okay. But you know what? Let's move on. Let's I'm move on. I'm willing to bet that when that sentence comes up later in the book, I'm oh. going to be like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to argue. <laughs> okay. My first note is about page... Uh, five. Okay. I my am... first note's about page three. Okay, of course. Go ahead. Oh, no, this one's actually a good note. Okay. So I actually think that the, the scene setting she does in the second paragraph where she's talking about forks is amazing. Oh, um, yeah. She does a really good job. Like, the very short paragraph about how bright and, like, warm it is in Phoenix and then immediately switching over to the dull grayness of Forks. I think that's really good, too. Yeah, like, here, I'm going to read this real quick. Well, I'm going to read part of it. It rains on this inconsequential town more than any other place in the United States of America. It was from this town and its gloomy, omnipresent shade that my mother escaped with me when I was only a few months old. I'm like, that's like, it's not overly wordy. It's not trying to be more poetic than it is, but it's like, it's a, it gives you a really good mental image of, of the place. It honestly, like, it sounds like something that would be in a more sophisticated book than yeah. Twilight. It also sets up very, very early on, literally from like the first page of the actual book, how Bella feels about her mom and her dad and the nature of their relationship. Because she literally describes her mother taking her and running away from her marriage and her father as escaping rather than, yep. you know, like she's seeing it as something heroic rather than it being that her mother abandoned her father in their hometown. And uh, on that note, I find it weird that like Charlie, th Charlie is uh, Bella's father, for those who may not remember, uh, is shown to still be like, have affection for her mom. And I'm like, this woman literally just up and abandoned you and yeah. moved, I wouldn't say across the country, but North South across yeah. <laughs> the country with your child. Uh, 
it's kind of weird that well, you have. <laughs> so keep in mind that Bella blames how boring and dreary Forks is for the deterioration of their relationship. And if you think about it from the perspective of perhaps Charlie blames himself and sees her leaving him as a sign of his shortcomings, then, I mean, I would think it would be perfectly rational for him to still, like, idealize her. Especially, we and we don't really know much about their past, basically, at all. But because of how, like, I don't want to say anything mean about Charlie, because I have actual notes about how much I like Charlie. Uh, I do as well. I love Charlie. <laughs> he's great. Uh, but, like, he's more of just, like, a simple, like, small-town guy. And... Like, if maybe, you know, he had just, you know, never thought that he would be with someone who was, like, quirky and erratic the way that her mother is, then, you know, he, I'm just saying he could feel that it's, like, something wrong with himself, and that's why that she left. Yeah, I I guess I would just like to see a little bit, I honestly would have liked to see a little bit more background there, just to understand. Yeah. I wouldn't his thoughts and feelings were in that situation and why the relationship works the way it does. We, so we don't really know that much about Bella's grandparents. As far as I remember, I, she mentions her grandmother in the opening of new moon, but we, why was her mother even in, this is an entirely different conversation, but like, why was her mother in forks? Like, is she from there? I assume she was based on, cause it sounds like, it seemed, maybe I just read it weird, but it seemed like they had her kind of young. Yeah. Maybe. And like, so she probably grew up there. Yeah. Something to keep in mind is that this book was published in 2004. And it's actually really relevant about the time period because Bella was born in 1988, 87 or 88. So, um,. Her mother, like, leaving with her, Stephanie Meyer has said before that, like, the idea of her mother leaving with her and nobody ever questioning, like, whether or not it was okay for the mother to take the child and just leave um, was really, really common because it was the 80s and it was in a time before we were starting to really open up and understand how biased um, the childcare system is and how uh terrible it is for men when it comes to custody court and uh, yeah so that actually brings me to a couple notes i had throughout these first few chapters which is bella basically is shown to be her mom's caretaker like bella's mom is not a competent parent from what it seems like she can't keep track of her own stuff or her own life it's up to bella to kind of like bella's like yeah "Yeah, your shirt's at the dry cleaner yeah like you were supposed to go get it yeah (laughs) that's that's one of the things that i i would love to know more about bella's life before she lived in forks because um she talks about how she never really had a lot of attention a lot of attention from boys she mentions briefly that she had some friends back home um but as far as we can see like she was pretty much the one in charge in her house and i just like i understand how you can love someone who's a complete mess because i watch my husband do it every single day but (laughs) (laughs) i just like i i actually have a note from later on in the chapter when 
Charlie like puts he puts snow chains on her tires. Oh my god, I number one dad. That was all I could say to that. I was like, Charlie is number one dad. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where I feel like it should almost be a relief for Bella to come to Forks and live with someone who's actually going to allow her because she's only seventeen when this starts. And like she actually finally gets to be a young person, even though she's like old at heart, she still like gets to not be the adult in the relationship. So I think I would be relieved to be able to not have to care for my crazy mother. And she, at that point, she even said like, she's talking about how it's almost bringing her to tears. And I'm like, Oh, look, you've had to not be parented for your entire life because your mom's kind of a ditz. Yeah. (laughs) Now somebody's actually taking care of you. Yeah. So, um, my first note is about Bella stumbling off of the plane. When Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I so Stephanie Meyer wants to establish pretty early on that Bella is clumsy and she actually uh later on makes pretty normal points about Bella being clumsy like when she's like trying to, to make a dramatic yeah. A negative in my notes. <laughs> yeah. But like she later on, there's a point where she's like walking and she's trying to make a dramatic exit and she like her toe catches the frame of the door and she's like, God damn it. Like the uh, only good implementation of it, I felt in these it's first so five good chapters. It's, it was great. It's very human. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm trying to make a dramatic exit. And oh, it's just like I fucked it up because I, I tripped it on the door frame as I me would do in real life. Um, we, oh my God, we never introduced ourselves at the beginning. (laughs) I'm Sarah. I'm M. (laughs) This is our first time doing this. (laughs) I want to leave it like that. Let's leave it like that. And then episode two, we can start with an actual intro. I just got so excited. Job team. (laughs) Well, you know, it, it just kind of feels like we're talking to each other. So it's kind of hard. But I I think sometimes as, as far as the book is concerned, I think sometimes Stephanie Meyer doesn't, I don't think she's ever truly met someone who is really like clumsy so yeah so it's like to her she's like oh they're just tripping and falling all over the place but it's like the truth is that they are more just like unaware of their surroundings but like bella is in such a state of like she it's almost like she's hyper focused on the fact that she's like moving somewhere that she doesn't want to live that i feel like she would be less likely to just be falling all over herself getting off of the plane yeah she'd be like on autopilot yeah exactly and so i uh I, I was, I laugh at that line every time I read it. There's actually a Twilight parody called Nightlight. And in it, they like say that she trips and falls and gets a concussion on the way off the plane. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I, I was, that's what kind of kills me about it is I got a concussion. <laughs> and ever since I got that concussion, I've experienced vertigo. Yeah. At some points, especially when I get migraines. I do a better job of maintaining my balance and physical functions when I experience vertigo than Bella does just moving about her daily life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, my God. So Bella's clumsy. We get it. Um, 
And I, I actually have a different note on the getting off the plane thing. Yes. And the getting on the plane thing. So this book was published in 2004. Are you going to make a comment? Three years <laughs> after 9-11. I knew her it. I could feel it walks coming. her up to the plane and hugs her. And then her dad is there when she gets off. I'm like, that's... <laughs> how? That's not how planes worked anymore. This is a post 9-11 world. And these people are walking right up to the... <laughs> right yeah, up to I'm the, like, the, what the are bridge. You doing? <laughs> Just like high-fiving the attendant on their way out. <laughs> Charlie's running up, playing with the controls in the cockpit. <laughs> I always wanted to be a pilot, you know. They don't give me enough buttons in the in the cruiser. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, you barely have any buttons in the cruiser. This is just the radio. <laughs> we only have one channel. <laughs> God, I hate small towns. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh my God. Oh my god. This is why my wife left me. <laughs> because there's only one radio station. <laughs> She's driving out of town and they're just playing the same CCR songs over and over again. Hold I want to know. The band. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. <laughs> my next some of my early notes are just like so petty and annoying. Like my next note is from page six where she's where he's like, Do you remember Billy Black? And she's like, No. And he's like, We used to go fishing with him. And she says, and I quote, That would explain why I didn't remember him. I do a good job of blocking painful, unnecessary things from my memory. I'm just like, wow. Did fucking top tier 17 year old cringe like why are you so upset about going fishing i and i love the thought like shortly after oh that so they're talking about the car and he's like yeah i found you this car and she's like well, where'd you find it and he's like well i got it from billy down at the reservation he's in a wheelchair now and she's like Oh, yeah, your friend's in a wheelchair that I don't remember. Okay, so what year's the car? Like, she's just like, mm, don't give a shit about your friend being in a wheelchair, she unable couldn't... to drive. <laughs> what? Did he explain? Uh, hold on, I have to look. Did he explain? He doesn't explain how he got in the wheelchair. And I have a theory about this. Okay, because go. Because a couple pages later, she talks about how... Uh, that when she sees the truck, she says it's, it's a solid iron affair that never gets damaged. The kind you see at the scene of an accident, paint oh unscratched, God. surrounded by the pieces of the foreign car and destroyed. Because it's from like the 60s. And I'm like, no, Bella, that's terrible. <laughs> New cars crumple to absorb the shock. If you get into an accident in that truck, you're going to die. This so is probably how Billy Black lost the use of his legs. So your theory is that he got into a car accident in this truck and because of how poorly made it is, he became paralyzed from the waist <laughs> down. I also have the theory that the truck is the hunter from the preface. <laughs> But the best part of that theory is that her dad 
knowing why Billy Black is in a wheelchair is like, you know what <laughs> that would be perfect for? My Maybe danger prone child. <laughs> Maybe this is the long con. Maybe he doesn't know. Billy Black didn't tell him, and he's now going to sell him this truck for Bella. Oh, no. And Bella's going to get into an accident and get paralyzed, and then Jacob has to take care of her, and that way he keeps her out of the vamp's clutches. Oh, my God. The, the best part about reading this book, now that I've obviously already read the other three, and to answer your question before we ever get there... The answer is I've only read the second, third, and fourth books one time. Uh, Good. <laughs> but now that I have the context of all of the books, it makes the beginning part, like, so much, like, weirder. Because, like, Billy Black and Jacob, well, I don't know about if Jacob knows, but Billy knows that the Cullens are vampires. Yep. <laughs> and so when she and Edward start dating, it's like... And before New Moon happens, when they find out about the werewolves, the whole reservation is just like, oh my god, the sheriff's kid is with one of them vampires. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, do you mean the cold ones? The cold ones. Oh, I forgot that's what they called them. Look, I haven't read any of these books in about a decade, so Oof. my memory is foggy on most points yeah. but even with the with a little bit of knowledge i do have coming back to the beginning of this series i'm just like god this makes less sense now it makes less sense <laughs> now that you know all of the context oh my god so um she's got this old truck the thing the thing she, mm -hmm. i love her dry wit about that my my next note is on page eight. Uh, she complains about how green everything is. She's like, "Oh, it's too green." It's an alien planet. <laughs> it's an alien planet. It's too green. I'm like, this is the only human being alive who looks at a desert and they're like, "That's beauty." That's true beauty. And they look at a lush green forest <laughs> in Olympia and they're like, oh God, oh, this is, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I like, the only thing I could think in this beginning section when she's talking about Forks is I'm just like, man, Forks sounds great. Mm -hmm. I like the rain. I like shade. I like trees. I like snow. <laughs> Yeah, like, it sounds fantastic. It's like, it all sucks. I would love to live in Forks. Well, I mean, where we grew up, because uh, we both grew up in southern Ohio, and it rained a lot there. Like, it was it was a pretty rainy area. Um, yeah. Way rainier than where we live now. And uh, I miss it. <laughs> I, miss I miss the rain. The rain. I, I wish I... it would rain more. I do love the thunderstorms here, though, because they're just so loud and banging. Yeah. We had the only time I don't like them is in the middle of the night when they wake me up. And I'm like, because that's when it gets me scared a little bit. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on the third floor of my apartment building. There's a tree right outside. Like, <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to get lightninged. Well, you know, like, as you a, sleep when, right next to the window, too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You're our, bed get is, lightning. our bed is pushed up right against the wall underneath a gigantic picture window that has the blinds have to be up just a little bit so our cat doesn't freak out. And so I get to watch as the wind whips this tree around. And 
Like, I, as a young person, I was never, like, afraid of death or anything. But being an adult, you know, and, and being married and, like, having, like, things that I have to take care of, the things being my pets, uh, I... <laughs> I just like I'm a little more nervous now. I'm like I'm going to I'm going to die horribly and who's going to take care of of my husband if I die? I found that the older I get, the more the existential dread of death gets to me. Yeah. Anyway, my next note is on page <laughs> Uh, is it so, the yellow laced curtains? It's Please not. Tell me it's it's the not the yellow laced, laced, laced curtains. Uh, it's it's this one's a grammatical nitpick. She says the phrase "it had been belonged to me since I was born," and I just yeah yeah I just wrote. There's a lot of parts of this book where I'm like, did you actually have an editor? Did yeah, you I didn't actually have an editor. <laughs> there were a couple more grammar things that I chose not to make notes about because I didn't. I didn't want to be that person because we're trying to give like an actual analysis of the book. But once I wrote it down, I couldn't, I, I couldn't erase it. So. Yeah. I was, so. Moving the, literally the next sentence, yeah. the yellow curtains thing that I brought up. Uh, so she mentions the yellow curtains in passing. Cause she's like, everything in the room is still the same as it was when I was a kid, when it used to belong to me. Including the yellowed lace curtains. <laughs> and then the next paragraph, she was like, I was trying not to dwell too much on the fact that I'm going to be sharing a bathroom with my dad. And I'm like, sharing a bathroom with your dad is what bothers you. But not the curtains that have been hanging on the wall for so long that they've literally turned yellow. So I'm going to be <laughs> straight with you. I have read this book. This is now time number 31. I never read the, the the word as being yellowed. It was always just yellow in my head. So this is the I mean, first with the time. amount of grammatical errors, I can't blame you. Yeah, this is the first time <laughs> that this specific fact... Oh my god, that's disgusting. Yeah, well, <laughs> and she's bothered by sharing a bathroom. And, and the, like, it kind of brings me to... One of the conundrums I run into with Bella's character, which is like just the disparity in characterization throughout different scenes. Cause she's like, yes. at the beginning, she's like, oh, I don't like dark and dreary places, but you know, she's kind of, she's the more like quiet and personable character. So I'm like, oh, well, that's at least a unique character trait, not too cookie cutter. That's nice. Yeah. And then like, you know, she takes care of her mom. And, like, at one point she's like, oh, I'm not going to let my dad know. I'm not going to be happy here because I don't want to upset him. And I'm like, okay, so, like, you, you're you a pretty conscientious person. That's, like, that's good. Like, you clearly have some empathy. And then she's like, I don't want to share a bathroom with my dad. And I'm like, dude, like, for the first part of this book, you're super mature for a couple pages. And then you're just like, meh. Yeah. Bathrooms. Gross. Yeah. Men are gross. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, she definitely has some, like, weird conflicting character traits, because, like, so later on, she gets really temperamental, like, she get she's really, like, confrontational, and all I could think was, like, where was that when your mom was being an idiot for the first 17 years of your life? Yeah, so that's one of, because, I'll get, I'll come back to that, I'll come yeah, back to yeah. that later, because... There's something I pick up on uh, early in her going to school that I was, I, I, it clued me in on something about her character and which then kind of 
colored the way I read all of that conflict that she was starting with Edward. Yeah. So we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, so on the next page, Bella goes into the fact that she's never felt like she fits in. She feels like really, really um, different. She feels like she sees things differently than everybody else that she's ever met. And that is definitely something that like I really, really related to when I was younger. And That's when- something that like every teenager really, really relates to because it's top tier, not like other girls and yeah. like wrong generation stereotype yeah i i mean i definitely get how she feels because there's there's definitely still like a part of me that's like like she says sometimes i wondered if i was seeing the same things through my eyes that the rest of the world was seeing through theirs maybe there was a glitch in my brain and she so she's definitely not leveraging this part of her that feels different as something that is better than other people though she does sometimes have a superiority complex but that's entirely different but she definitely like has this like problem that she sees in her where she's like i'm different i don't fit in it and which is really sad and i i definitely get it when i was young i i felt that way a lot too do you think it has anything to do with the fact that her skin is so pale that it's almost translucent god i so she talks so much (laughs) about being so pale and, like, I get it. Like, they even, like, in Midnight Sun... I don't, you never read the leak of Midnight Sun, right? No. Well, Edward talks about how pale she is a lot. It's... I I don't know if she's edited it since it was last leaked, which I assume that she would have had to. Uh, but it's he talks so much about how he can see her blood underneath her skin and stuff Ugh. like that. And I'm I thought, like... She's like, my skin can be pretty. And I'm like, that doesn't sound pretty. It sounds like you need medical care i do yeah, wanna... like you have very thin skin in the literal sense of <laughs> i do want to point out that we have been recording for 45 minutes and we're Are on you telling pa- me we should keep moving <laughs> a little bit i think we I just think we need to pick it up a little bit i don't want this to be too long We've okay still got, well, like, my last hun- thing on this is that I think a dermatologist would recommend her moving to Forks, given her skin. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I think that would be great. Oh, my God. Um, she talks repeatedly about how much she loves her truck, which is great. Like, I totally understand having, like, a weird love for things, but it just does not seem like something that she would be in love with. No, it's really weird. It just comes out of nowhere. It definitely feels like... It, it gives the idea that she's into the retro kind of aesthetic, mm-hmm. but nothing else really ever comes up with that. Yeah. <laughs> so it never, and it, it's not established beforehand either. So like if there had been a lead in with her finding some, like finding something retro cool, and then the truck was introduced to be like, oh, okay. But otherwise, it's just kind of weird and confusing. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit out of nowhere. I don't get it. I I made several notes about it because she's like she she walks out of her house the morning that she's gonna go to school and she's like I can't stop to just look at my truck. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep walking. And I will maybe it's like because it it's very clear through a few different comments that are brought up throughout the uh, the chapters that she did not come from any kind of money she's always been poor and it's like maybe it's just the appreciation of having something yeah to begin with she says multiple times that she had brought a little bit of extra money 
to buy a car with, but now she doesn't have to. And so I think she probably is just really appreciative that she got a, a free car, which she does use for three books. So Yeah, and she also does say that she's very appreciative of it. So yeah. but it's like yeah, it's just communicated in a weird way that makes it seem like there's some other character trait going on there that isn't really established or elaborated on. Stephanie Meyer establishing character traits. She and never. using them. I know, right? The only... I, like, I, honestly, I honestly think that she just writes down scenes and puts <laughs> the character names in them and is just like, yeah. does this work? I guess. Yeah, the only very solid character trait we have is that Edward is a smug bitch. And, and Charlie's a good dad. Charlie is good dad. Charlie's... Oh my, and this, like, this scene right, right before she goes out to the truck, too... I feel so bad for Charlie because she's sitting at the table like after he's left and she's just looking around and it's talking about like how the like it's a mismatched dining room set up and like how everything still looks the same from when her mom painted it all and set it all up and then like he still has the picture of their wedding on the mantle and how she's just it makes her uncomfortable and I'm like I just feel bad for him. Like, yeah, definitely. I, I feel maybe bad I talk for Charlie to him. a lot. Yeah. I, I want, I've, I always wanted Charlie to find someone new, namely Carlisle, but I, that <laughs> I don't think Stephanie Meyer would have written that story. And yet she wrote a different story. Yeah. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so, she talks I think the about, next part is going to school. <laughs> yeah. So she talks about the school not having a feel of, of an institution because she's 87 yes. years old, uh, which is just one example of Bella being old for her age. And Edward points it out later, too. He's like, you don't act 17. And she's like, neither do you. And he's like, I can only imagine in his head. He's like, well, that's because I'm 117, you stupid bitch. But obviously he's not going to say, say that. <laughs> I, I like it so she's like where are the chain link fences the metal detectors and i'm like metal detectors. phoenix arizona is where you came from in 2004 i'm pretty sure there weren't as many school shootings back then why were your schools like that i i will say that if she because so if we're inferring that bella did not come from money we might also infer that she went to an inner city school Oh, no. So she, because uh, she, t- she talks about the school she went to. And she says that the school she went to was one, uh, her neighborhood that she lived in was one of the few low income neighborhoods that went to that school. Yeah. So I guess probably not. Um, I don't know. I mean, really big. I We went to a high school that had like 12 to 1300 students in it total. And she had. Yeah, 3,000 or something. So I can kind of understand with like a really, really big school wanting to have metal detectors outside. But also, and I don't know, maybe Stephanie Meyer was just taking from her own experience because... That's why I'm like, it just seems so out of place in a, given the era that the book was written in. I mean, I guess it was, Columbine happened in the early 90s. Late 90s. Late 90s. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe because it was just a few years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you ever think about the fact that, like, talking about high school, 
like if Hutch or Edwards listen to this podcast how disappointed in us they would be they would be like oh my god after everything i taught them they... they're using it to critique twilight yeah oh my god what would they think of us i just want to be clear um i said it was 1999 with the columbine shooting um i'm not correcting myself because i was right but i did want to say that i am correct the columbine shooting was 1999 um wait you think Peak that wait Sarah. you think that Hutch and Edwards would be upset that we're critiquing Twilight. What about Not the upset. dean of the just college I just graduated from? Not upset, just disappointed. Like, hey, we just gave you your bachelor's degree. Go use it to review Twilight. Uh, on the next page, I went says, to NYU <laughs> and began a creative writing minor. I took 16 credits. Yeah. <laughs> On the next page, Bella says that she'll be fine because no one's going to bite her, which is funny. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. There's a... I like it too. This was right after she mentioned the shiny Volvo that stood out. And I was like, is, is Twilight going to have some poignant commentary on income discrepancies in the U.S.? No. No. No, it's not. The the, pe- the rich people in this town are, are well, the pe- there are people who think that they suck, but then the people that matter, a.k.a. Charlie, think that they are great, and everybody is jealous of them being rich, and nobody has a problem with them being rich. But in the defense of the Cullens, they're not rich because of exploitation. They're rich because they are very, very old. They, they kind of do exploit people, though. Who do they exploit? They drink people's blood. They don't drink human blood. That's a whole character thing. I know. Thing. They exploit animals. They exploit <laughs> animals. They have to or they're going to die. Come well, on. Maybe they should have thought of that before they became vampires. They didn't know they were becoming vampires. Literally, I don't know how many of them actually got permission to become vampires. I think Bella's like one of the only ones. Because I know Rosalie, like, he saved her. Cause... There's a whole thing. Anyway. I know. Um, I know that we get all their backstories at some point here. Yeah, she blushes tomato red. She blushes tomato red. Why is she borderline orange is the question. Because tomatoes. What? What? I was just like, am I reading a bad fanfic? Yeah. Stephanie Meyer has some very interesting descriptors. At one point, she refers to blood as life-giving uh, liquid. Uh, that's later. I don't even remember what book that's in. I don't even think that's in Twilight. But, like, yeah, it's she's... It's like she's got so many like beautiful descriptions. Uh, like a lot of her scenery building is really, really good, which is surprising to me. I don't know if she went to like creative writing school or anything. Um, she this... went to BYU. I know that. Oh, okay. Well, because she's Mormon. Yes, <laughs> that'll come up. <laughs> um, we're not being mean to Mormons. I promise. No. Um, All I've got to say is uh, Brandon Flowers is the better Mormon writer. Okay, I don't know who that is. Lead singer of The Killers. Oh, yeah, I knew that, definitely. I'm <laughs> hip on The Killers. You, you get, like, if you listen to their, like, if you look at their lyrics, that you get a lot of references that are religious and in Mormon or na- in nature nice. as well. But he's just better at it. Okay. <laughs> um, she later says that clouds and a sense of humor don't mix on page 16. Um... Excuse me? 
What? <laughs> I don't know. What? Like that that part for me was like offensive because like I said, we where we come from, it was pretty rainy. Like it wasn't constantly rainy, but I think it probably rained at least once a week back home. Somebody's for somebody that makes so many dark snide remarks she doesn't seem to understand the concept of dark humor yeah she oh my god something she says later i literally on my whole note is just bella oh my god and i have to look at the gun thing yes it's the gun thing okay Uh, we'll get to that we'll we'll definitely get to that um um i was that same page yes uh the whole scene like the before the sense of humor and clouds thing with uh with is it Eric? Is that think, the yeah. overly? Yeah. I was just kind of like, Bella, you're kind of being a bitch. Cause like she did. So she describes him and she's like, it's the boy with skin problems. His hair, <laughs> hair black is an oil slick. And I'm like, this is like the third bad description we've gotten of a character from her perspective so far. Nice, nice going Bella. And, but then she's like being super short with him and judging him for like, showing basic human decency by trying to help her out yeah and i'm like i i think maybe it's the fact that you're acting like this that's the problem not that he's doing anything wrong yet yeah yeah so i definitely plan to um now i'm gonna say this i am not a psychologist but i do have a lot of experience with depression and i do think that bella suffers from depressive episodes at least on some level because or like some level of anxiety or something like that because of how negative and quick to be just like so incredibly upset she is i was going to say anxiety and that's what i was one of the things i was talking about i was going to get to later is at one point she's talking about uh going in and she's like just the thought of doing it is making her feel nauseous yeah going into the classroom and um she's starting to hyperventilate yes and i'm like homie that's that's anxiety uh you're having a panic attack yeah i know because i've experienced it and uh you you can get help for that (laughs) you very clearly have some social anxiety problems (laughs) ma'am She also uh, strikes me as being codependent. Um, I talk about this later uh, when actually dealing with Edward. Um, but she like she loses her appetite all the time, and she's constantly just like covering her face with her hair. So it definitely really feels like she suffers from anxiety, at least on some level. Um, I don't yeah. have another note for several pages. So if, if you have um, something important, <laughs> let me see. Let me. Ah, so yeah, the end of the next page, she's talking about the girl she goes to lunch with, and she's like, and she's talking about how, you know, she went to lunch with her, and the girl was introducing her and everything, and being super open, and she's talking about how all the people that uh, the girl introduced her to seemed really impressed by her bravery in speaking to her, and I'm like, <laughs> so brave, so brave, yes. I just, act- <laughs> so good. You just... <laughs> You talked to a human being. I actually did have a note on that page that I totally missed. Uh, Bella immediately forgetting everyone's names is a mood. Is a oh, whole I, mood. I actually, I commented on that too. I was like, I get you, Bella. Like, yeah. I have that exact same. I am terrible with names and I feel awful about it. And it creates such awkward situations. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. 
Well, look at that character trait. We're giving Bella some personality. It's yeah, cool. It's not... just not going to be a consistent personality. It's a very weird amalgamation of personality traits. Um, oh, oh, God. When we go into the lunch scene, which is where I like, I start to love the book, but not for the right reasons at the lunch scene. Yeah. Because she's talking about the Cullens, and she sees them for the first time. And she's, they're sitting across the room at a table. They weren't talking and they weren't eating. Though they each had a tray of untouched food in front of them. And like, like they all are just staring at different walls in different parts of the room. And I'm like, good going, guys. Totally being inconspicuous. Oh Nothing my God. to look at here. We're flying completely under the radar. I I truly applaud the town of Forks for being the most oblivious fucking town on the face (laughs) of the earth. They're like, look at these hot, incredibly pale, reclusive fucking weirdos who never eat or speak to each other. Yep, nope, nothing to see here. Seems totally normal. They live together (laughs) and are foster siblings and they're in relationships. And, and... Who is it? Is it Angela? Uh, it was Jessica. She's Jessica. like give it, she's like waggling her eyebrows at Bella because she's like, yeah, oh and, my and God. Bella's like, I'm disappointed by her being so judgmental. And I'm like, no, that's weird. That is weird. I'm it sorry, is weird. Bella. It's weird it's as fuck. Like, there are some concerns there. Like, maybe it's fine in the end. But, like, you know, there's always some concerns in a situation where two people who are perceived as being underage are living together as a family and, and are dating each other and are dating each other. <laughs> it's it's what's so weird is like they all, all of them consider Carlisle and Esme, they get into this later, but they all consider them to be parent figures. So for like, so it's so weird. Cause it's like, if you think about it, it's like, well, Edward is like, that's like mom and dad. And then Alice is also like, oh, that's mom and dad. And then Jasper is also like, that's mom and dad. But they're all banging each other. Yeah, I feel like they could have solved this entire problem with Bella and Edward before it started if they just took it a step further and entered into a polygamous relationship with Edward. (laughs) Just one of the pairs. Yeah. Or all five. I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, I feel like they could have. I, I don't know where she where Stephanie Meyer got the inspiration for having like a family full of vampires who are all sleeping together. Um, I, I I know that like this this whole thing came from a dream that she had, but I really don't like I don't know where the idea for like the the five kids came from. It seems like she it's one of those ideas where it was a quick and easy way to justify the setup. And then she just never thought about how to deal with it and just decided instead to make one quick comment about it at the beginning of the first book and then just ignore it. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is really weird um, that everybody like you would think that they would be even more judgmental about it. Like they would all kind of be like, that's really, really weird. I mean, but one of my comments that I make about Charlie and his like talking about the Cullens is he's like super, super accepting. And he's like everybody's so mean to them but they're like really good people and i was like that's awesome and i get it but do you know like what's going on between the sheets <laughs> or oh my god i i noted that too because he mentions it because he says they stick together like a family should and i'm like mm, oh oh boy no they don't you don't you don't realize 
the implications of what you just said, Charlie. Mm-hmm. It's real bad. My next note is on page 24. Let's see, hold on. Let me, let, let me, I have a ton of notes. I know. So I'm just going to check and make sure there's nothing in between there that actually matters. Oh my God. She goes to class. She's going to sit next to Edward and it's just <gasps> the only open seat is next to Edward. And I'm just like classic anime protagonist opening right there. Uh, hell yeah. If they both hell don't yeah. have some special colored hair or something to signify them in the group, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Edward actually has, like, the most special hair in, like, the whole series because he's got red hair. And there's not a single other ginger in this entire series. But but Robert Pattinson doesn't have red hair. Robert Pattinson can do whatever the hell he wants. (laughs) Did you see his... Do you think that he sat there... Because we're getting into the Edward section now. Do you think that, like, he got cast for this part and then he went and read this book and was just like, Wow. I'm a fucking douchebag. Oh my god. I'm playing a (laughs) douchebag. I remember being 14 and thinking he was so charming. I remember being 14 and just not... I'm not interested in men, so I'm not looking at him being like, ooh, charming. I just was like, yeah, this seems like completely normal behavior. Yeah. Uh, So, all I wrote on page 24 was... The thought of Robert Pattinson flexing his forearm is the hottest thing this book has to offer. <laughs> and it wasn't even Robert Pattinson until the movie came out. It's like all I could think about. Because like I do picture, luckily they actually casted the roles pretty well. So I, I always think about Robert Pattinson when I think about Edward. And so I'm think, I'm sitting there and she's like talking about how he's like sitting like facing away from her and like flexing his arms and all I could, because th- he's got his like s- shirt rolled up like very mormon and he is like flexing all mormon over here <laughs> yeah no uh, and so he's like flexing his arms and all i could think was how hot robert pattinson <laughs> is and how hot he would look just sitting there just like flexing his forearm to be fair the way she describes characters in the beginning of this book Edward's the only male character she describes in, like, a positive, he's attractive way. But he she describes multiple female characters as being very attractive. And I'm like, I have a headcanon that she's bisexual. And now I just want to see Anna Kendrick and Kristen Stewart. Yeah, right? I always wanted Bella and Alice to be together. I used to joke that I was Team Alice and people thought I was just being funny. But it's no. like, no. No, it's great. <laughs> when Alice in at the end of New Moon, spoiler alert, comes to pick up Bella and they get and they get out of the airport and they're driving around in like a yellow uh, sports car with the top rolled down and Alice just had has like a little scarf on and she's looking all hot. Oh my god, just stay in the car and keep driving. <laughs> just go. Just go with Alice. She's such a better choice than Edward. What are you just doing? Why Edward left you? Alice is forever. So Go to Hawaii. Eat your enchiladas. Enjoy your life with Alice. (laughs) Yeah. My next note was about how Bella cries when she's mad, uh, which is on page 25. And I... I feels. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. Like, that was one of the things that I was like, oh, damn. Like, that's that's really relatable. And I got it. Like, the lead up to her crying is basically just the entire time he's around her. He's just glaring at her. Yeah. And clenching his fists and i'm like 
wow, like this is a really good way to just end the book. Like mm-hmm. you just end the story here. This yeah. guy's fucking creepy. His family is weird and he's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Go no further. Go it's no further. Really like, you, there's no reason for you to care. <laughs> yeah. I don't have another note for 10 pages and my next note is about Charlie shooting himself. So. Oh, uh, I, I do actually on page 25. The fact that apparently uh, Mike is the nicest person she met that day because he helped her get to a class, you know, just like her buddy Eric did. But Mike's attractive, <laughs> even though he has Guy Fieri hair. Yeah, Mike is... Um, I I don't want to say that Mike is great, but he's a very realistic teenage boy. Like, he's... Yeah. I, he, like, definitely, like, the scene where he's, like, I was hoping you were going to ask me to the spring dance. And she's, like, oh, you know, no, I think you should go ask Jessica. And he's, like, oh, God, are you sure? Like, it's, it kind of feels smarmy. And I think you're supposed to not like him. Like, you're supposed to be, like, oh, go away, Mike. We want Edward. But, and, you know, at the same time, But he's like, a better person than Edward, even exactly. for his flaws. <laughs> like, just because he acts like a golden retriever, as Bella describes him, doesn't mean that he's a bad person. He's just a teenage yeah. boy who thinks that she's cute. Like, damn, come on, give him a And break. it bothers me that, like, he doesn't do anything different from what Eric does, but she just likes him more because Eric is greasy. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm just like, Bella, why you gotta be, why you gotta be this way, girl? She's judgmental. Yes. There's that superiority complex. Yeah, definitely. She talks about how she doesn't have a lot of attention from boys back home, but I don't, she said she had to have some. I mean, she's. That's one of, that's one of the things I, I, I touch on here, too, is that she's like, I never got attention from boys before, but now everyone's paying attention to me. I'm like, but why? Why are they paying attention? Like, I mean, it's yeah, she's you're new. new, but like at the same time, we we know she has some personality because we see inside of her head. We're we're there with her, but like outwardly, all she has is being, I guess, a mysterious, snide, witty person. Like, does she just have that dark girl energy going that like guys are like, ooh? mysterious lady yeah and she's new i think it's i think it's i i really think that stephanie meyer is overestimating how um enamored people in small towns are by by new people because i mean if anything i find that people from small towns are i mean they're really welcoming and stuff but i don't think they're like super fast to to like try to get in the pants of every new woman who comes into town you know what i mean I can say I I have moved a lot in my life and I've gone to a lot of different schools and uh, I moved to Kentucky when I was 10 and I did not have a good time in the school that I went to there being from somewhere else because it was in a relatively small town and because I wasn't from that like I had friends and stuff but like a lot of people didn't like me yeah just because I wasn't from there so I'm just kind of like Seems weird. Yeah, it seems odd that everybody... Granted, you weren't a pretty 17-year-old girl. No, I wasn't. I was a weird 10-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So, uh, beginning of chapter two. Uh, Fortunately, I have less notes going forward. (laughs) 
Yeah, we um, are, we're, we're almost to, we are at, let me see, an hour and 11 minutes. To be honest, I think we actually powered through the rest of chapter one after you brought it up much faster than the uh, yeah. <laughs> beginning part. Um, but beginning of chapter two starts off with uh, Eric being, uh, Bella at least being validated a little bit for her dislike of Eric because he's just glaring at Mike for like talking to Bella and sitting with her. And I'm like, okay, see, that's kind of, that's a little weird. Like that's a good yeah. reason to have a problem with somebody. Like I how dare like, you steal my interest? Yeah. I feel like it's definitely a sign of, it's like, it's, it feels like Stephanie Meyer started out writing a really fleshed out world because you've got all these varying characters with Jessica and Angela and all them. Um, but then it all kind of falls away once Edward is like truly in the picture. Um, but it definitely feels to me like Eric has had issues with girls choosing Mike over him in the past. Um, or like Eric doesn't feel like he has as good of luck with girls as Mike does. So when he finally had Bella talking to him, he got mad that Mike actually uh, chose to. If only, if only he could see her thoughts on him as a person. Yeah, she, he would not know. Like greasy, uh, oil slick hair. Awesome peace i'm out check please like i do like the fact that i realized around this point that i was basically just reading a harem novel uh yeah it's a reverse harem and bella's just at the center yeah it's uh it's troubling i don't know why this girl is getting all this attention but maybe i'm just projecting because i didn't get any attention when i was in school but i like women and i don't get it either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got attention. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. I don't even know. She got upset because Edward wasn't in school that day. It bothered her. And I was like, girl, why are you upset that the creepy, angry man is no longer there. And then at one point she's like, starts blaming it. She's like, Oh, I hope it's not my fault. And I'm like, why, why do you, this is just a good thing. This yeah. is a good thing. Your only interaction with him so far is him being weird as hell. She later is like, okay with it. She's, she's relieved. She goes to biology and she's like happy that he's not there. So she just gets to sit by herself. Which didn't make any sense to me either at that point. Cause I was just like, okay, before you were worried, <laughs> Now you're relieved. And then later she goes back to being like, I'm going to hope it's not my fault. And I'm like, such inconsistent. Yeah. She doesn't know what she, she doesn't know what she wants. It's like, I think she, she's definitely like f feeling this way. Cause he's pretty. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty boy. <laughs> um, see moving past that oh god oh the volleyball incident she hit somebody with a volleyball and she's like i just kept blushing and i'm like why 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 it's... are you like i think that's such a weird reason to be embarrassed <laughs> i think not upset but just embarrassed I, so I remember when I was in high school and I was really upset about something that had happened towards the end, end of high school and I was really embarrassed and like I couldn't stop talking about it and um, one of our teachers, who you also know, came to me and was like, listen, 
the day after graduation, you're going to forget all about this and it's never going to matter again. And you like, you shouldn't be worrying about it now. And I was like, what do you know? Like, this sucks. Like, my life is awful. And then like, as soon as graduation hit and I went off to college and I never had to talk to those people again, I got it. I understood. So I think I get where Bella's coming from because she's just like, she's feeling the humiliation because these are the people she has to be around. And uh, she's she's not able to escape the fact that she just nailed someone in the head because then everybody acknowledges it every time she gets the ball. I say own it. Own it. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. So I actually commented on that later because it get like by the time a week has gone by, everyone just ducks when she when the ball comes towards her, and I'm like, she took an entire. It took only an, a week for her to Pavlov. Everybody. The entirety of her class. <laughs> she should just start nailing people. That's what I'm saying. Own it. Like if you're like if it's gonna happen, <laughs> take some pride in it at least. Oh my goodness. So then we get to the. Uh, she's leaving school, and she sees that the shiny new Volvo that was in the parking lot belongs to the Cullen children. Oh, what? A and shock. I'm just like, once again. <laughs> Good job keeping that low profile, guys. Definitely like, not drawing any attention. Like, damn, would it have killed you just to drive a Toyota? God, what? Like, they might have well been like, all right, we're each going to have a Porsche. <laughs> yeah. I, hold on. I need to show you um, the car that Stephanie Meyer was referencing when she wrote this book because you're gonna scream when you realize the book the car that's supposed to be so glamorous that the cullens drive oh my god is that a hatchback (laughs) is that a 90s style hatchback it's really like so we we've talked about this before about with like dan hatchback (laughs) sedan yes We've talked about this before with her talking about, like, Edward's, uh, like, uh, fashion choices where she's like, oh, it's so hot when he wears his beige jacket and khaki pants. Mormons, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Are we at the part where, she, where she's talking about Charlie killing himself yet? I We are. That is exactly where we are now. I literally, I was sitting in my office reading because I have no self-respect and I looked at, when I got to that part, I literally like had to shut the book. I was like, what the hell, Bella? And she she also says, uh, he considered me old enough not to shoot myself by accident and not depressed enough to shoot myself on purpose. And I was just like, What? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I read that line as himself. So I thought she was talking about her dad being depressed and shooting himself, which would be even worse than her talking about shooting herself. For some reason, it would, it would be so much worse if she was talking about her dad. To be fair, I commented later because she talks about how he she got her clumsiness from him and i'm like the chief of police of this town is the one you got your like maybe he should be unloading his gun whenever possible because 
it doesn't seem like a good thing for someone that clumsy. And how did he steady you getting off the plane if he's just as clumsy? Imagine he like tries to steady her and he just like rips her shirt off by accident. Like, oh god. I just I want to see him. Uh, I mean, I guess Forks is a town for families being together. But anyways, uh, <laughs> I want to see him like British police style, just like riding a horse, not carrying a gun because he just isn't safe to put a gun on. Chief of police isn't allowed to have one. My ne- he accidentally <laughs> shot all of his partners. He no longer gets partners. <laughs> My uh, my next note is about how awesome Charlie is on page 36 when he's talking about the Cullens being really good people. Such a good guy. He's he's really great. I Thinking about it now, I'm like, they're freaks. Charlie, maybe you should be a little bit more judgmental. But, uh, but I, he's such a good guy. He is. He's so nice. Bella does not deserve him. I am 100% in the camp that Bella does not deserve to have Charlie as a dad. No. He, she does not appreciate. Oh my god, especially because, I don't know if you remember this, but at the end of the book, she fucking tells him that she hates him and never wants to live there. and Like, never wanted to live there, and he's she's leaving and never coming back because she hates him so much. Because of Edward, because she has to, like, escape. Yeah. Oh my god, and then he just, like, takes her it's back like you couldn't after pick everything a, that happens. You couldn't pick a better way. Like, that was how you could You could just be like, I it. need to go you see chose, mom. like... You know what your mom... I, I'm sure when we get to it, she'll comment on it. But, like, you know what your mom did mm-hmm. to him and how he still feels for her. And, you like, even to try and, like, save your life, to stoop to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. On I- another note, uh, she doesn't want to go to the beach on the next page because mm-hmm. beaches should be hot and dry. And that is exactly how she should be around Edward Cullen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Because Mike invited her to go to the beach with him and his friends. Mm -hmm. I once again don't have another note for 20 pages. So you. Oh, wait, no. Why are you. Page 37, when she's like, oh, they're all really hot. And he's like, you should see the doctor. <laughs> hmm, you Charlie. See, you see why I always I see why there's not another woman in your life now. Because <laughs> there's another man. Because he's in love with Carlisle. And they should just run off together and tickle each other's mustaches. Anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't make so, another yeah. note for 20 pages. Because I read that and then I looked down and it was page 55. So I... <laughs> All right. So she goes back to school the next day. Uh, it was snowing. So this is... Uh, this is the day that... No, no, it was the next day. Yeah. So it started snowing. And I did have a note on the fact that Eric threw a snowball at Mike while Mike was talking to Bella and then just turned and walked away so that when they looked, they just saw him leaving. And I'm like, wow, Eric, you really like digging your hole there. Like at first I was on your side and now I'm just yeah, leaning a little bit more in towards you being a bit of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like if he had thrown the snowball and then like been looking at Mike like, hey, come get him. Then it would have been more of like a friendly fun thing, but he obviously was doing it out of spite. What a little asshole. 
What a bad guy. What a bad guy. Um, so she, uh, she goes to school. Edward is back. And, uh, she talks about feeling a little sick, uh, from her anxiety. Um, but then she notices that all of them are acting normal now. And Edward is not glaring at her for mm-hmm. reasons. Um, so she just kind of ends up spending the lunchtime staring at them for some reason. Because uh, that's not weird. And she ends up like trying to hide and asks Jessica if Edward's looking at her and if he looks angry. And Jessica's like, no. And then she won't stop looking at Edward. And Bella's like, stop. And she's like, I'm going to, I'm contemplating violence if she resists and doesn't stop looking. And I'm like, Bella, what violence? What are you going to, number one, you have not shown any, any indications that you want to cause harm to anyone. Number two, you literally, like, it's snowing. You already just said you don't want to have a snowball fight because you're too uncoordinated and clumsy. What are you going to do to another person violently? Well, we just talked about that her dad leaves her his gun loaded by the door, so, oh I God. mean... Bella's just a serial killer in the making. <laughs> I mean, you know, what is a vampire if not a ruthless murderer? Or whatever. Whatever, or whatever whatever bullshit edward says later oh my god when he's like oh if i'm going to hell i'm gonna have some fun doing it i'm like shut the fuck oh my up god. stupid twink um, what is wrong with you so she goes to biology where she has class with ed afterwards and uh ed's not there and she's all relieved um but then he pops in and he's like hey i'm being super nice now uh and i was like my first thing here was because uh, she thinks had I made up the whole thing because he's being all nice to her and I'm like gaslighting. Gaslighting! First instance gaslighting. of gaslighting. Oh my god I right brought here. that up later! Oh my god I brought that I up did with too. the van I was incident. just like first like unintentional but still. Yeah yeah oh my god I, I definitely brought that up later uh, with the van thing when he's like I was standing beside you the whole time but oh my yeah, god that's the next time I bring Edward, it up Edward I and I for the and I'm gonna say this right now I don't remember if he continues to do that um, later into the series uh, because a lot of what he does what he's doing right now is related to um, keeping the secret keeping the secret so I don't know actually the only thing I can think of is at the beginning of New Moon when he's like I'm leaving because I don't love you and so I de- so I, I do get why he's doing it to an extent. I think my problem with it is the fact that he doesn't really have good character traits to balance it out. So yeah. it makes it seem a lot worse. He and also, so <laughs> he also like the, the gaslighting is especially an issue later when he refuses to when he basically when he makes what's going on her business then yeah. it's not okay anymore because sh- he knows that she is becoming completely absorbed by him. But like he, and he's like, he saves her life and he promises to explain it. And then he refuses and he is like not staying away from her anymore while at the same time refusing to tell her anything about himself. And that's when it becomes actual gaslighting rather than 
in the beginning where it's just like he's not saying anything because he he shouldn't say anything because he shouldn't be talking to this random girl and and telling her you know that yeah he's don't a pretend you're gonna go all in and then hold yeah. out <laughs> basically yeah so they're yeah they're they're sitting here they 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 start this experiment where they're looking at stuff under a microscope and she just keeps looking at him and talking about how beautiful he is and at this point we've heard it like six times yeah and I'm like okay we're done stop calling him beautiful like it's fine if you want to mention him being attractive but it, it's getting it's getting old real fast like I no wonder this book is 490 pages yeah she describes how beautiful he is so often. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think she just really wants us to understand that it's okay he's a gaslighter because he's so Because he's beautiful. All that matters is that you're pretty. Yeah. And then he grabs her hand when she got, like, this girl he's never talked to, really, until today. And he yeah. was all weird around. I, so, in in the defense of Edward Cullen, <laughs> uh, in the defense of Edward oh. Cullen, I like to imagine that it's, instead... I don't, and I think Stephanie Meyer just kind of explained it wrong because I, I think it's more of a, because they're lab partners and they're both working on one microscope and she's like got the slide and she's like pro phase. And so she starts to take it out. So I like to imagine it's more of like a, he reaches out to be like, hey, like, like just to touch her hand to be like, hey, like don't take it out because I want to look at it first. But the way that Stephanie Meyer describes it, you would think he like wrenches her by the wrist and she's like, ah! <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, we're manhandling her now. That's always yeah. a good way to I, start out. I mean, because, like, this is this this honestly seems pretty innocent to me, where he just reaches out and he's like, oh, don't take it out. Because, like, he doesn't, like, what is he going to do? Like, grab the slide away from her or something? I think he's really just trying I, to be like, don't, don't do it. I guess for me, too, having, you know, been a man through my teens, I was like, you don't just go and touch somebody if you yeah. haven't, like, yeah, established. Yeah, I totally get that. Totally get that. I was just, you know, I think it, I think it, uh, in my mind at least, because I'm trying to be uh, as open-minded as possible, I saw it less as a man and a woman kind of thing and more as like a lab partners kind of thing. Because I know mm, I'm... Lab partners. <laughs> I know if, if I was, you know, working with someone and they were about to like be a fool about... <laughs> <laughs> Don't go being a fool. Don't go being a fool. Um... So they work on this lap and she ends up opening up to him about why she's in forks and she doesn't like it. And I was just kind of like, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you open? You've shown no indication of wanting to talk to anybody. And like, I feel, I know that it's because I can logic out that he's an outsider and she's an outsider. And so if there's anyone she would open up to, it's him. But like, Stephanie doesn't establish that. I think it's also <laughs> like so far we haven't really seen her really be like she's more reserved. Like she doesn't talk to a lot of people. But like anytime someone asks her a question, she answers it. Like she, it's not like she's being like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone my business at all ever, no matter who they are. She's just kind of Well, she does like, lie to other people though. She does occasionally. But I think it's it is it is unreasonable. For her to just, like, randomly open up to Edward. But I also think she's just kind of being like, well, you know, he's hot. So, I mean, <laughs> what do I care? This is also when we find out that the reason she moved to Forks was because her mother uh, was upset that she didn't get to travel and spend time with her uh, new husband. Which A is so irresponsible. bad minor league 
baseball player. So irresponsible. I, I'm i just like, Jesus Christ. I will never, ever like Bella's mother because nope. she chose to marry a much younger man who travels all the time and then made it her kid's problem that she didn't get to see her husband. And then now Bella... And, and Bella's like, I made the decision. I'm like, yeah, but like your mom chose to put you in that position. <laughs> Yeah, your mom is the adult. You shouldn't have even been in that position. And I'm totally down for adults being open with their teenage kids about the way that they're feeling. But, like, her mom, I don't, like, we don't ever get a backstory as to how her mom came upon this younger guy who travels all the time. But, like, you knew that was going to be a problem when you married him. So Yeah, we, we don't get really any context for why we should like her mom other than Bella still likes her mom. And honestly, it feels like, it, and, like, this sounds so psychotic for me, but, like, it sounds like borderline brainwashing because she was she was raised by her mom. and it, it, It's like an abusive relationship yeah. where you get, you become so accustomed to it that you just ignore the problems. Yeah, and it circles back around to the way that Bella feels about her dad and about Forks as a result of the way her mom feels about Forks and about her dad because she views her mom as being this lovely like erratic she like describes her mom when she's talking to edward about her um he oh my god where does she describe her oh my god i might not even be in this chapter but he's like what tell me about your mom and she's like she's great she's perfect i love her so much um yeah, it's not in this chapter. It's later. But yeah, she's like, oh my god, my, my mom is like my best friend. She's the she's perfect. She's beautiful. But like she can't like take care of herself. And it's like the, you need to understand, Bella, that just because just because you were raised by her doesn't mean that like you need to like everything about her. It doesn't mean that you need to defend the way that she behaves. Nope. And I, I, I do get it, though, because especially with how young she is, it's really difficult at that young of an age to take issue with a parent, especially yeah. if it's somebody that you respect. Like, And especially if it's not the parent, especially if it's the parent who raised you. If it's the good parent in the situation. And she the views quote his, unquote good parent. Yeah, she views, views her mom as the good parent. Um, so, yeah, they, they talk about that and... Uh, Ed points out that she seems like she's suffering more than she lets anyone know. And I'm like, oh, God. Um, she's uh, letting she us know. Him, I assure you, yeah. we know. And she uh, she asks him why he cares. And he's like, that's a very good question. I'm like, yeah, that is a very good question. I know, like, I know out of context why you care because you can't read her mind and you can read everyone else's mind. And it's weird, but like in context, yeah. Why do you care? You weirdo. Yeah. You hundred year old man. <laughs> um, and then she talks about how she's in disbelief that she just explained her life to this guy. I'm like, yeah, me too. I just commented on this fact. Why are you talking to him about this? It's weird. It is. It is. Um, I, I do like that Bella has subverted the trope of pretending to be stupid. So a guy will think you're cute. And instead she's trying to be defiantly intelligent like she's like, yeah. she, she's looking at the slides. She's like, I tried to take a fleeting glance at it just so, just so I could see it. And I'm like, yeah, Bella. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't need your help, man. I like, got this. You look I'm smart. smart. 
You look smart for this guy. Um, so yeah, we get when in that scene, we get the scene where she uh, everyone starts ducking ducking away from her in, do- in volleyball because they all have learned over the past week that she's dangerous. Um, and then them leaving school and Edward messing with her going by her car and she gets angry and then tries to just speed out and almost <laughs> hits almost another car and I'm like an accident really Bella really yeah and then we're on to the next chapter I um, actually because we are at an hour and 36 minutes I think we should call it here and do a part two for next time well I guess that was episode one um, it was. Uh, I, I think we should apologize for our uh, our long windedness, but uh, we're we're new to this. We'll, so we'll get it down. Please bear with us. We'll get we'll, it down. We'll get it much down. Much like I got down uh, re- to reading Twilight in two hours, we will get down to discussing Twilight in under ninety minutes. And much like I've gotten used to the cycle of shame I lived through that has now allowed me to deal with the fact that I'm making a podcast about Twilight. <laughs> um, well, I guess that we will see everybody, everybody. <laughs> we will. All three of you all next week. three of if you. If you want to listen again. <laughs> next week, if you want to listen again. I have been Sarah. I have been M. <laughs> I have been known by many names. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it's still 2020, and unfortunately, we are still reading Twilight. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs>